0: This podcast is dedicated to the memories of Greg Owen and Paul Staler. Uh, sorry for the delay. It's been a really long time since I've been able to get in front of the mic to podcast at you, and I really apologize for that. It's been a very busy couple of weeks. Um, Adrian and I still aren't unpacked, and we had a lot of familial stuff to go through. Uh, I might talk a little bit about that in news. We'll see what happens when we get there, but I apologize for the hiatus. Uh, I'm not permanently gone. Don't unsubscribe unless you already have, in which case, please pay attention to the Facebook message where I asked you not to unsubscribe. And without further ado, let's get right into it. So to start out with this week, uh, I have to give a shout out to Chris Canary. Uh, He is the only one who got my Time After Time reference last time. That was a movie starring um, Malcolm McDowell, I believe, as H.G. Wells, traveling back in time... To try and save the world from Jack the Ripper Or traveling forward in time, I should say To our era And uh, if you've never seen it It's actually a really great film Really, really funny um, And I had forgotten the fact that it's one of Chris's favorites So this week I'm going to have to try and stump him We'll see how well I do with that um, No other major shout outs this week that I can think of uh, Yeah, I mean no one else got it so there are no honorable mentions as far as like the quotation goes so we'll see what happens next week uh stuff of the week the word of the week this week is one that's just fun to say to make people kind of like suddenly shudder and look at you as if you said something bad and that's exacerbate i remember when i was you know 14 or 15 or 16 whenever I got into debate and we use the word exacerbate a lot It was our favorite because we could say it and it sounded like we were saying something dirty But we were actually saying something intellectual and exacerbate means to make worse or uh, complicate a bad situation so You could say like I had a broken thumb, but that was only Exacerbated by me trying to use a hammer, you know that kind of thing Um, Other thing of the week The online store of the week is Steam. If any of you guys are video gamers and are okay with computer gaming, I know some people are into consoles, some people are into computers. I'm not even going to get into that debate. But if you're into computer gaming, um, right now is a great time to check out Steam because they have all of their summer sales going on. So you can get some really great titles really, really cheap. I picked up uh, the new Lara Croft Tomb Raider for like... I want to say maybe 11 bucks. It was really inexpensive, and it's a brand new game. And Steam has made its reputation with these kinds of famous sales. So that's the online store of the week. Um, I think that's going to do it for Things of the Week again. I've had a busy week, so I haven't had a lot of time to plan. I'll try and think of something off the wall next week for you guys. So, personal stories and news. This is... Going to get a little heavier than I think this podcast typically does. Um, This is part of the reason why we've been so busy. Uh, Adrian's grandfather, Paul Staler, who you heard in the dedication, uh, he passed, not this past week, maybe two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Time is not a lot of meaning here, but um, he was a really huge influence on Adrian's life, and uh, he will be sorely missed. I wish I could have gotten to know him better. Uh, But on top of that, he passed around the same day as, I think it was either the same day or the day after the 10-year anniversary of my brother's death, my brother Greg Owen, who was also in the dedication. And I've never talked a ton about that, so I kind of thought that this might be an okay venue just to, like, Let you know that story a little bit Because most of the people who are listening, I assume, are friends Um, But like I said, it's going to get a little heavier Um, Greg is the youngest brother before me Uh, To describe my family, we're kind of like the Brady Bunch uh, Except there is a child between the two uh, parents where Alice would be And that's me so my mom had two boys and a girl and my dad had two boys and a girl and they both were divorced, got married, had me. Um, I am the youngest by a pretty wide margin in the family. I'm embarrassed to say I don't know how far. I'd actually have to like look up you know on my calendar to see when everybody was born but I would say there's at least a 15 year difference between me and the youngest on either side. Uh, And on mom's side the second youngest, the youngest of the three um, kids that she had when uh, with her previous husband, is Greg. Now, Greg was uh, just a really great guy. I mean, I didn't get to know him as much as I really wish that I could have, but any time he was around, he was a musician, he played the keyboards, he played the guitar, he played he may have played the harmonica, I'm not sure. He sang um, just a really artistic guy. Um, and he made his living doing uh interior painting and like and different works different work with interiors. And he was kind of famous among some of the people that we talked to. Uh, Who knew him closer to the end because he could walk in a room with somebody who picked out a paint that sort of everybody had agreed on Yeah, that's the paint that we want and he'd be able to say Yeah, that absolutely will work or no, there's there's no chance that'll work. You've got to try something else and he was invariably correct on it so Greg was this very artistic soul, but he had a problem. He was bipolar and uh, I believe the other term is manic-depressive And because of that he was on medicine he was on lithium um, which he didn't like to take and the reason he didn't like to take it was because of the huge amount of stuff that he could get done during manic phases and it sort of because it evened him out and he kind of considered his personality to be more in the manic phases he felt like it made him not himself but the other thing that had evened out were the terrible terrible lows that he felt um he also left behind an ex-wife jonna and a daughter and i know that that i know that that kind of tore him up the whole situation there uh and he really you know he was a good father he really badly you know wanted to be in his daughter's life and I'm not blaming Jona at all. I think that there was no quarrel there as far as, like, letting him in, but he had to take his medication, and he didn't like to do it. Um, he had been living at home at my folks' place while I was in college. This is around 2004. And there had been a lot of fights because his personality, again, has huge swings in it. And he was kind of unreliable when it came to money and in the meantime my folks were putting him up they were you know getting his food and doing all these different things he was also taking loans from them and i know there were a few times where dad kind of said you know you keep taking loans from us but we're on a semi-fixed income and we kind of need to you know work out some sort of payment plan for this um dad was still working i don't believe mom still was at that point Uh, but you know it caused a huge blow up between greg and my parents which i know my mom feels terribly guilty about but i don't think it was her fault again somebody who's sick doesn't react to things that you in, in the way that you would expect them to somebody who has manic depressive disorder or is bipolar is not going to behave in a sensible manner. And because of that, this wasn't an argument that I think anybody picked. I think it's an argument that the disease caused. But he left, and we lost track of him. Um, By the way, before this, he was living in Ohio for a long time. He was living in uh, Columbus, I believe. And so he had moved back here after he and his father had had a blow up so he disappears and no one really knows where he is for a fair amount of time i want to say a couple of years and no one can get a hold of him because he didn't leave a number or anything and this is before the time that everyone had a cell phone um, and I had just come home for summer vacation from IU, probably my senior year or maybe my junior year, probably my junior year actually, now that I think about it. Um, and dad gets this call and all of the color, I just remember the day because all of the color just drains from his face. And I said, you know, what, what happened? What's wrong? And he said, Greg committed suicide and i remembered saying did he succeed like i don't know if he said tried to commit suicide or i just hopefully heard that um but dad says well yeah and you know i just sort of take some time to like think about this and come to grips with it in the meantime everybody's calling everybody there's a flurry of activity to get everybody around so that we can prepare for closure or as best closure as you can have in this kind of horrible situation. And, um, yeah. So I made a mistake. I I would call this a miscalculation. Um, Denny Owen Sr., uh, Greg's dad flew into town because Greg was nearby he that was the other thing that was really strange he was living under a different name he went by Warren Owen instead of Greg Owen. that's his middle name Uh, I think primarily because at the time he just didn't want to be found and he was living in a house that some people he made friends with were having him renovate so essentially the deal was he could live in it and rebuild it from the inside out um, and that was his payment was to reconstruct it. Um, so Denny, Denny flew to town, um, and he and younger Denny, which is Greg's brother, my brother as well, um, and dad and I, and I believe Denny's brother all go to meet this family who Greg was around, uh, and, and knew closest shortly before the time that he uh died and they gave us some pictures of him and it was really rewarding to know that he was very well loved by this family this family had obviously treated him very well and had very obviously a high esteem for him and his talents and his abilities uh and just his fun nature as a person so that was that was good to know um And then they brought us to the house and that was that was the part where i think i made a miscalculation as far as like what i would want to see and what i wouldn't because i saw where my brother died he had cut a hole in the drywall and just ran some piping from his truck's exhaust right into the house and had just passed there um so after seeing all of this and not knowing what to do with it I hadn't really dealt with death in any real sense before Greg uh, and certainly not on a level that's as tragic as a suicide I remember I just decided to go ahead and go to work I had taken a half day off work to go and figure all this stuff out and of course work was just like you know take what you need you know now that we know what happened uh, this is when I was working with the Marion County Library and I, as, as we got back home, I just said, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and go to work, because I need some sort of normalcy. I can't make sense of anything that I saw today or anything that I'm feeling. So I'm just gonna go and shelve some books and see if that helps. Uh, so I went to work and was fine. I mean, it was frustrating, as I think it always is, because people are being so nice to you and people are being so kind to you. And they say things like, I'm really, really sorry, um, because it's the thing that you say. There's nothing else you can do for the person when in the meantime, you know, I've, I know this was true of me and I've talked to some other people and I think it's true of them too. When the last thing you want to hear is, I'm sorry. Uh, The last thing you want is anybody to bring it up. But everybody feels obliged to, not out of spite, but out of, you know, real concern and care. So that was the only really frustrating part about being at the library, but one of the things I loved about that job was it was a calm place, it was a quiet place, and it was a place where I could kind of go into a meditative state and still be productive. So I did that. Um, You know, shelved some books, checked out some patrons, took some time to forget for a little bit. And I remember when I came home, my mom had said something about denny owen senior who i don't hold in very high esteem for reasons you know that are not even personal between me and him personal between him and other people and her, you know stories that i've heard from hearsay so they may not be fair but i can't help the way that i feel um but he had said something along the lines of um you know i'm really impressed with aaron the way he just powered through and went to work that day and i got so mad i was so very frustrated about that because a i didn't in this time where i was trying to be i was trying to address my emotions in as healthy a way as possible i was being addressed by somebody who i honestly didn't feel addressed his emotions in a healthy way in a praiseworthy fashion. And that's completely unfair. Um, He very clearly meant it as a compliment. But at the time, I was so furious by that. And I also felt like I had run. I had run from what I felt. I had run from what I was trying to deal with. And I ran, you know, into normalcy as opposed to dealing with the fact that life changes. And sometimes life changes in really, really huge ways so one of the good things that came about with this is my other brother denny i hadn't seen him in a lot of years and he just hadn't had a lot of interaction with the family he had a lot of stuff going on but that brought him around of course for the funeral and it also meant that he was around more often i've seen denny now you know At least once a year every year save last year just because of some scheduling conflicts but um you know before i just wasn't sure if i would see him much because he was really really busy and there wasn't anything tying him really closely and this kind of brought him and angie my sister and i all together um so we go to the funeral um and I remember being at the funeral and not really being able to feel anything, really wanting to, really knowing that there's something welling up inside of me, something that I'm afraid of, uh, but not being sure how to release or let that go or deal with it. And so. I remember being at the funeral and the only time I got a little bit out was when I actually saw Greg and I could kind of feel that you know that finality of the moment sort of drove a little bit of the wedge of emotion out but I think that there were just too many people around and I always feel like I have to be strong sometimes for people so I didn't feel like I could be honest with myself in that after the funeral um, I was kind of just driving home uh, with the woman I was dating at the time and I just pulled into a um, parking lot I remember because it was the Lakeview Christian Center parking lot which was almost right across the street from the funeral home and just released and I don't think that I've ever cried so hard or so honestly in my life as that moment because it's one of those things where you barely have a chance to understand exactly what's going on you barely have a chance to comprehend the fact that someone is that gone and to this day i feel like i still have bits and pieces of me that are unresolved as far as greg goes like i said being the youngest and being kind of a wide separation from the rest of the siblings I'm not as close to some of them as they are with each other, so it's hard for me to know exactly who Greg was, and it frustrates me that I won't get that chance. And with everything that's happened these past three weeks, um, you know, with Adrian's papa passing and everything, it's just brought up a lot of that stuff, and. It still makes me wonder if there's anything that I am not facing in myself and not letting myself feel. But I figured some of what might help is airing it a bit and letting people know um, that that happened to me uh, and that that happened to him. And just telling the story, because I think that there's power in the stories. So that's kind of the story of Greg from my perspective. Uh, or the story of the passing of Greg from my perspective, his story was much richer than that. Um, and I wanted to spend a little time on the cast today, remembering him. So sorry for bringing the tone way down from where it usually is, but I I really wanted to get this out. It was personally important to me, and I appreciate anybody who's listened to this this far. Um, So other personal news, let's bring it up a little bit. Um, I was having some frustrations at work. Uh, Right now I work in uh, the .NET framework a lot, and I've been trying to make my code as modularized as possible because at work, I've got two or three websites that I use, or that I make, I should say, and the tools that I write, I wanna be able to use interchangeably between them. But I was having some real DLL conflict issues. And I wrote this poem about it. And somebody on Reddit, just on a whim, just pulled up their computer and recorded a song with my uh, poetry as the lyrics. So I thought I'd just play this here. um, And I will go ahead and do that. I'll also put the lyrics up on the... uh, Show notes because it's a little bit difficult to hear and understand him. Because again, he's he told me he's like, I just did this in about ten minutes. But I also put up his username so that you guys can see more music from him. Uh, and here it is.
1: Are missing, though some seem to be Spend lots of time compiling, but my bills seem to be Time. My brain is so damn tired I'm not sure that I can't uh, ma- ma- Make the lines sound the same I'm just sold in Visual Studio I long for my Linux shell They'll never find Steve Ballmer Once I'm out of DLS
0: so yeah i felt honored uh that's the first time i've ever written a poem that has spontaneously generated music in somebody else's brain so yay um some world and u.s news i there's not a lot of good news on the radar right now but i did find this one interesting story on happynews.com thanks again to uh Crystal Wolf of uh, Chris and Chris Take Over the World. She has pointed me to happynews.com when I was looking for news that didn't make everyone sad. Uh, apparently, engineers have created powdered water. Now, that this requires some explanation. They've created this little crystal that can store huge amounts of water in, in it. And you can pour it on crops. And... Whereas a lot of the water would dis- dissipate into the soil before the roots could absorb the uh, water molecules, these crystals will immediately absorb them. And they are only released when the roots themselves are trying to pull more water. So theoretically, in a place where you know there's a lot less water around, you could use this powder and it will make your crops not need as much because they have their own personal camels living under the soil. So I thought that was really pretty cool. Um, i trying to think what else happened in the news this week that I'd really like to talk about. Um, there's, of course, the Zimmerman case. Uh, I'm not going to weigh in on that. And, you know, I don't think anybody would want me to. Um, I think we can just all agree that it was a tragedy and leave it at that. Uh, Not a whole lot else going on. I should probably continue to remind people, because it's important to me, that the NSA is watching and reading everything that you do. Um, if you go to stopwatching.us, there's a petition to have the United States stop using secret courts to determine what privacy laws are on the books and what the NSA is allowed to do. I mean, it, it's really very police state. If the government is allowed to go to a secret court to determine whether or not it's able to spy on you and it doesn't have to tell you how do we know if our rights are being violated and we've already discovered that they probably are so you know go to stopwatching.us sign that petition and let's try and get the government try and keep the government from spying where it ought not um yeah you know, that's that's all i had for news really Video games, John Brothers will be happy, I've finally started playing Skyrim, and the reason I started playing it was because it's, um, I got the PlayStation 3 version for $10. Now, I recognize, and have already been chastised by my friend Nathan, for the fact that, uh, Skyrim for the PS3 is unmoddable, of course. Uh, And also is the most buggy version. And I have suffered a lot of bugs for it. There have been many times where I've had to restart the game because it froze for no reason whatsoever. Um, I like the game. I like it a lot. I like the exploration factor. Um, And I think one of the things that the Elder Scrolls has really banked on, both in Morrowind and Oblivion and in this, at least from what I've read, I've only played Skyrim, so... Disclaimer for anything I say that's incorrect. But the, the worlds encompassed in each game are very, very vast. And there are huge numbers of things to find and to do. And in Skyrim, you know, just since it's the one that I have experience with, there's a <clears throat> engine that generates um, new quests for you so it takes a series of variables and determines okay this is a quest that this player could be put upon and it shuffles them into your quest deck so that if you wanted to go and do a quest you can or you could stay on the main road it's all up to you i simultaneously like and dislike this Uh, i like it because it means i could play this game forever i could use these quests to build my character i could use these quests to find minerals or you know it's also a crafting game so you can build your own weapons and armor if you're at a high enough level. You can enchant your own weapons to make them stronger. Um, You can build jewelry to sell based off of gemstones that you find. It's very fun in that respect. But by the same token, there are so many quests that just opening my quest screen, I get a little bit of analysis paralysis. There's just a little bit of, well, what do I do today? Oh Jesus, there's so much to do, I'm bored, you know? It's one of those things where your brain shuts down and doesn't provide you with any useful information as far as, like, well, what can I do with the day? Well, (laughs) how much of this stuff can I do? Um, So you end up either picking a bunch of tiny mini-quests, and I found that to be disappointing. A lot of times when I would go on a mini-quest, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to use this quest as a method of increasing my character and it's over in 10 minutes and you know i got maybe some gold from it it's like well okay but i guess it was randomly generated what do i expect um in the meantime all that is keeping you from ever doing the main quest uh if you're like me and obsessive compulsive about like having a clear screen so i like the game i'm really enjoying the exploring um Adrian also says that a friend of hers recommended it for me um, And says that it reminds her a lot of World of Warcraft, which she used to play but uh, You know While I like it and while I really am enjoying it and do think that if you're into this type of game This is definitely a game you have to own or play It's not exactly my genre, so I'll just leave it at that um Final Fantasy 4 DS, uh, a few years ago, maybe two, I think, there was a burglary here. Uh, someone stole a whole bunch of stuff out of my house, and I had gotten into, like, level 60 or so in um, Final Fantasy 4 on the DS and was at the moon. Like, I was ready to complete the game, and was just building my character and grinding so that... You know, Zemus and Zeromus weren't too difficult. And someone stole the goddamn cartridge. Uh, In fact, they stole all of my video game stuff, except for all the classic games upstairs. So I lost a lot of saves. And really, that's the thing that pissed me off the most, because, you know, I can replace any of the video games, I can replace the systems, I'm insured. But... Once I replaced them, I had to start them all over again, and that was just really frustrating. But anyways, I've gotten back into Final Fantasy 4 DS, and I forgot how good a port... It's not even a port, it's a remake of this game that was. It's the first time that they've ever used um, voice acting for Final Fantasy 4, and the voice acting is superb. For a video game, that's pretty rare to see. Most of the time, video game... Voice acting is phoned in. Although that's gotten a lot better in the last couple years. But in this one, it is just really fantastic voice actors, really, really well done cutscenes. Um, it's been retranslated and even slightly rewritten because there are a couple of things that they had to change for the new format. Um, and if you were ever a fan of the Final Fantasy franchise, or especially a fan of Final Fantasy 2 here in the United States for the Super Nintendo, it had the red label that's actually Final Fantasy IV, and you should pick up this DS game because it is really, really great. Um, other video game that uh, I've been replaying is Super Mario Brothers Wii, which I also lost all of my saves on, but Adrian and I have been playing that one together, and it's just really reminded me of how much fun a Mario game can be and how simultaneously cool... And sometimes frustrating, it can be, to have two players on the same screen. Because you can get in each other's way a lot. Um, But there are also some things you can't do. Or at least, if you have to do them, they're extremely hard to do if you don't have someone there helping you. So there have been multiple times where I have really gotten in the way of Adrian. Or, you know, we've somehow bumped each other off the screen or into lava or whatnot. But there were also times where we're like, oh, there's a coin way up there. You know, I can't get it because we broke the block. Well, pick me up and throw me up there. You know, that kind of thing. So, either way, that game is a wonderful Mario game. I really had forgotten, and I I just don't think I gave it the credit that it deserves. It is a really, really great game. It does a lot of homages Mm -hmm. to mario 3 and mario world which were of course the classics um and it keeps the gameplay light and fun and airy while still being challenging there's some levels that you know you will say i need to take a minute (laughs) um and then of course at the end now we're trying to collect all the coins to get all the secret levels so lots of gameplay fun there and if you were ever a mario fan I think it behooves you to try the Super Mario Bros. Wii. Uh, It's just a really good continuation of the series and continuation of that gameplay. That's really it for video games. Like I said, been really busy. Haven't had a lot of time for video games. Um, Haven't even played the new Tomb Raider, like I said I picked up, uh, yet. But I will, and I'll let you guys know what I think of that, too. Movies? Um... Here's another one from Chris Canary, and don't don't worry, I won't use it as the quotation of the week this time, because I don't want you know something that only Chris Canary will get to be the quotation of the week. I want you guys to at least have a chance. Um, but Electric Dreams was a movie he gave me, um, and it's a really strange film. The premise is, Guy buys a computer, and he's not necessarily great with computers, but he's figuring it out as he goes. And he has all these different, like, home improvement and security mechanisms that he wires into the computer that came with it, like a door lock and control of the TV and stereo and all these different things. But he wants to get ahead at work, so he downloads everything from his work computer, because security apparently wasn't a big thing back then. And, you know, that's somewhat believable. This takes place in the early 80s. And... Somewhere between that and spilling, I think, coke or something on the keyboard, the computer becomes sentient and starts playing music through the vent for the hottie next door. Uh, She falls in love with the music-making ability and thinks that it is the guy who owns the computer. So they start dating, and in the meantime, the computer gets jealous. What I found really interesting about this film was... (sighs) If you've ever seen music videos from the 80s, and I know, you know, music videos aren't that common anymore, but a lot of times they were miniature movies. They had stories to them, but they also had a very specific style of cinematography. There was some really weird cuts. Um, usually it was a lot more abstract, and Electric Dream- Dreams takes a lot of its nods from eighties style, uh, music videos. So it's an interesting movie to watch only for that perspective. And also that adds an air of semi-realism to it. So it takes away like this being kind of a gritty real story and makes it more fantastic while still keeping it in the electronic realm. It's a very dark film. There were a couple of times where I found it to be really unsettling but I very much enjoyed it, and I just wanted to throw it on here in case anybody else who's a fan of this kind of story hadn't heard of it and also to say, okay, there should be one more shout-out to Chris because this was a pretty good movie. Thanks for uh, turning me on to it. Recently re-watched Sneakers because Adrian had never seen it. Uh, that's a movie that could be called Starglut if it wasn't so good because it came out, I think, in 89 or 90, and it has um oh god uh robert redford it has river phoenix it has sydney poitier it has dan Aykroyd. um has mary mcdonnell has uh ben kingsley i mean there's just a ton of really good names in this movie but on top of that it's a fantastic story and what i found really funny about it is the story kind of goes on this premise Slight spoiler if you've never seen it, but not that much. Um, It goes off this premise that the NSA has built a box that can decrypt anything so that they can spy on people, but it doesn't work on our main enemies at the time, which were the Russians. So it only works for spying on Americans. And they even have this monologue at the end. They were like, well, the NSA could read the FBI's mail or the CIA's or the White House's. And there's a part of me that's saying, this is really prescient that the NSA (laughs) now has the capability of seeing everything that everybody ever says. Um, But it was also very much a sign of the times. Right now we have the Department of Homeland Security, which kind of unifies all of the data sources of the NSA, the CIA, and the FBI under the same umbrella. It was created for that purpose during the fight against terror. Um, because before there was a lot of competition between these agencies and they wouldn't share information, which was uh, at a detriment to everybody. Um, so it was a really a sign of the time that it wasn't a, oh God, now the NSA can read the CIA's mail. Now it's, oh God, the NSA can read our mail. Um, but a really good movie nonetheless Really great cast Very tight writing The, the writing is humorous And witty And really enjoyable to listen to um, The banter is great So That's a film to just kick back Grab some popcorn and enjoy Because while it, t- it covers A lot of heavier topics It is just a fun film I think from start to end um, and Adrian and I last night, or maybe it was the night before, it was the night before, decided to give this feature a try on Netflix called Max that will ask you a few questions, have you rate a few movies, and then suggest what you should watch tonight. And it suggested Trading Places with Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy. A lot of Aykroyd in this podcast today, but, um, neither of us had ever seen it. Both of us really liked it. It's a really good 80s style, um, kind of a romp film. Um, the humor in it, of course, Aykroyd is always funny. Eddie Murphy is always funny. So the humor in it is spot on. The, um, some of the lessons, the life lessons that the movie is teaching you are a little bit dated, at this point, but that's okay. I'll give it a pass on that because it came out in the 80s. Um, But if you're looking for just a silly film to sit down and watch, I think they classified it as a goofy comedy. Uh, That's exactly what it is. It's a fun one. So I think that's all I have to cover. I haven't really been doing much with other media. Um, I have read a little bit more of uh, The Drawing of Three, um i'm up through data not through Detta and odetta but i just got to Detta and odetta for people who are fans of the dark tower series i know i'm reading it slowly i am enjoying the book a lot but it is stephen king and i just can't seem to read him very fast so i'll keep you guys posted on what i hear out of that um otherwise i hope everybody has a great week Uh, Here's a quotation for you Let me know via email That's bbcs at aaronmbond.com That's for Bad Brain Curio Shop If you know the answer to this I'll give you a shout out Um, What movie is this quotation from?
1: That really relates to the thing I want to ask you I've noticed that sometimes Not a lot But sometimes when we're hanging out Throwing the ball Or that time we went bowling Sometimes you'll like Tell me things about your other patients. Hey, maybe that's all right. I don't know all that much about psychology or therapy or ethics. So maybe there's something I missed or something. You're concerned that maybe I can't be trusted with a secret? I trust you, definitely, no question. But yeah, I'm a little concerned. I mean, you're not supposed to tell anyone about your patient's problems, are you? That is correct, Skip. We're going to have to take a long look at that.
0: All right, everybody. Have a good week. Intro and outro music provided by Latchy Swing. Hear more of their music at freemusicarchive.org slash music slash L-A-T-C-H underscore swing. This podcast was recorded, produced, and distributed using open source technologies. The Bad Brain Curio Shop podcast is copyrighted 2013 and licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, share-alike, 3.0 unported license. For more information, visit creativecommons.org.